It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, what's happening, everybody? And welcome as we get you ready for today's game against Dallas. Dan Rusinowski and Brad Hedekin, both games this weekend. 4.30 pregame, 5 o'clock go time, and then tomorrow it'll be 4 o'clock go time and a 4.30 pregame. But right now... We are going to talk all things Sharks as we get ready for the trade deadline as he joins us. Shang, of course, of San Jose Hockey Now and NBC Sports California. Shang, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. How's it going? Oh, you know, just uh, rolling uh, with the punches of the Sharks season. And it's March 2nd, uh, six days from now at noon, is the trade deadline. And I guess that's where I wanted to start, Shang, because... The injury to Mackenzie Blackwood, even though it seemed to be reacted to as relatively minor, when it did first happen, I really wondered how that impacted what the Sharks were going to do because earlier in the season, there was a lot of trade talk surrounding Mackenzie Blackwood, but more lately, it's been surrounding Kapo Kakinen. And I just wondered, in your opinion, like how, how does that trade potentially, or excuse me, how does that injury potentially impact what the Sharks were thinking about doing at the trade deadline and how do you think it's going to play out i suppose uh i don't think it should affect it uh, too much i i mean let's be honest uh, in the end the goal of the sharks is to get the number one pick and so keep trading or keeping your goalie well keeping your goalie might might, might hurt that if anything and anyway too i understand that uh, you can't just kind of leave your team to like its own devices and and throw in a goalie who's totally not ready you try to find a, a a kind of a NHL number three somewhere. Uh, somebody like, well, they had a guy like Aaron Dell last year, so I'm not sure why they didn't have another kind of um, NHL level goalie available um, uh, in the system this year. But you can try to trade for a, a guy like that. It won't cost a lot. And so if you get a higher pick for a Kakadin and you trade a, a later pick for a guy just to kind of get you over the rest of the season, um, that's uh, we've seen that happen before, and so I would guess that that's that's would have been uh, what would have happened. Like they're not gonna uh, say this is just hypothetical, but um, they're 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 not going to reject a, a nice pick um, just just because uh, just 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 because uh, that would, you know that just because they wouldn't have Blackwood or Cacklin available. Yeah, I mean it, it's interesting because you know obviously they're gonna start uh, Magnus Krona. Uh, this weekend and um, or today actually, and then Capo uh, tomorrow, just because the the previous starts for Krona have, and I don't put this on him, they have not gone well. Or he had the one starts um, against Edmonton, and then the other game he came in in relief in a blowout in one of those ten goal games. Um, you know he's not been put in a great situation, and he also doesn't have a ton of experience. Yeah, uh, hopefully uh, tonight um, they play harder in front of them because that game that they played in front of them against Edmonton was a pretty one of the more dismal efforts of the season. And so at least if they if they play hard tonight, um, I did wonder about which game that they would start them. I, I I would think that Minnesota would be kind of a 
an easier start uh, compared to Dallas. Dallas is one of the better teams, Stanley Cup contending teams. Um, but if you're going to be in the NHL, though, you gotta you you, you got you gotta face the best. You don't get to only play the kind of the the fringe non playoff teams. And so yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a test tonight for sure. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be very interesting. Are you surprised that Krona is going tonight uh, against Dallas as opposed to Capo? Not surprised. I mean, also to one of those things is uh, I also wonder if um, if, uh, if if Capo had a choice of who he wanted to play. Because sometimes they'll they'll do that. They'll ask in advance. Um, I remember Blackwood was talking about this when the Sharks were in New Jersey in November, and he said that they actually asked them like a month in advance when they're kind of like putting together the schedule. Hey. Um, uh, do you uh, uh, do you, do you want this game in New Jersey? And Cop was like, no, I don't. Oh, I'm sorry. Mackenzie was like, oh, I don't really care. And so I I wonder uh, because I don't think uh, I I got to look this up, but I I don't think Coppo has played a lot against uh <clears throat> against the Wild since the Sharks traded for him. I mm-hmm. I always feel like he he seems to miss the game. Actually, you know what? Uh, here's here's a here's a fun fact that I'll throw into a story. Uh, uh, he's never played against the Wild. Yeah, <laughs> because my memory is he's always missed for some reason. They just like. Uh, they they go with the other goalie uh, whenever they they played against the wild the, the wild and so maybe he he asked you know to play against Minnesota in Minnesota who knows I'm not I'm not saying I know that for for a fact but I mean that is possible um, but uh, yeah so I wouldn't say surprised uh, either way like I said with with Krona if he really belongs in NHL he's got to do it against uh, the Chicago Blackhawks uh, tied tied with the Sharks for the worst record in the league or against the Dallas Stars yeah no it's it's true the uh... The reality of the situation comes at you fast if you want to make your case for being an NHL goalie. Um, you know, beyond, obviously, the the goalie situation and the deadline, do you expect to see a Duclair, a Grandlands? Um, you know, there's also been chatter around Ferraro. There's been chatter around LeBanc. What, what are your expectations for the next few days? Uh, if I were to guess, the more prominent pending UFAs like Duclair, and Kakanen get moved. Um, I don't know about a Barabanov. I do think some teams see a value in him. Uh, LeBanc and Hoffman, I'm not seeing just because they're so expensive. And also, too, they're not really contributing at kind of uh, levels that, that they used to. So I, I, don't, I don't think there's, there's going to be much of a market for them. Um, as for the, the, the players that still have, uh, have term, like Ferraro and Sturm, and I think you can throw Ruda in there and Granlin. Um, I'm not sure if the offers will be good enough for the Sharks to to move them. You know, it's always a kind of funny thing, like uh, how the t- how the team you're de- you're dealing with in a trade, how they see the extra term. Like Granlin, for example, Granlin has yeah. one more year after this one. And does the team acquiring him see that as a plus that you have cost certainty, or does the team? Uh, I see it as, oh, actually, that's sort of a, a anchor because we're not sure if we want this guy for another year at $5 million AAV. And in most cases, teams seem to prefer the expiring ones because they know that it's just a commitment this year and get the most out of this guy. And we know kind of where he's at, where his game is at because we've seen him for 60 or so games this year. Um, and then we can decide if we want to keep him or not uh, the, the following year. And most teams seem to prefer that guys uh, that are expiring seem to have a little bit more value in that way. And so I think that's that's what's going to happen with the Sharks. Um, I can see uh, Granlund Faro getting moved if there's kind of a bit of an overpayment, but I'm not projecting or guessing that there will be one. What do you think needs to happen for Kevin LeBanc to be a player in this league? I, I mean, 
not that I'm trying to come down hard on Kevin, but it's it's three straight staffs now that he's kind of been in the doghouse between DeBoer and Bugner and Quinn. And even though back 2018-2019 alongside Jumbo, he had a high 50-point season, that has not replicated itself. And like I said, there have been the bad penalties, the you know being taken out of the lineup. It's been a consistent factor. How does he turn this narrative around? Because Kevin LeBanc does have a high-level skill set, in my opinion. He's shown that when he's you know, been given an opportunity and yeah, Jumbo's made a lot of guys, many millions of dollars, but you know, he still has to be in a good position. He still has to score the goals. He still has to put the puck in the right place, but that just is disappeared from his game. Even though I still see a player who has capability. Yeah. I think it's tough. To, it's uh, I don't know if it's fair to say that he's, he's been in every one of the coaches doghouse. Yeah. He's been scratched by all the healthy scratch by all these coaches. So he's not seen as sort of a, uh, Logan Couture type, right? Like you're Mr. Reliable, set yeah. it and forget it guy in a line. So that that's fair. But um, from what I understand, uh, Pete uh, Peter DeBoer, uh, Pete DeBoer, uh, loved the uh, loved LeBanc uh, all in all. Just for example, um, I don't think he's he's in uh, DeBoer's doghouse. Um, yeah, he is in David Quinn's doghouse. I don't think we can anyone can contest that. Uh, but uh, I think I think Kevin is is absolutely an NHL player. I think for him, uh, my guess is that he's going to need to go somewhere where um he's not relied upon as much at five on five mm-hmm. um kind of the the role he had that year his 56 point season right where they kind of hit him on the third line a little bit and they gave the tougher matchups obviously to the top the top six which is a very deep obviously top six for the sharks back then uh pavelski couture you name it hurdle right you name it right and so if you so basically if, if you can kind of uh hide him on your on your on your bottom six and then give him a, a good amount of power play time that he's a guy that can still help you um and so i think he absolutely is an nhl player um why it hasn't quite worked in san jose i i'm not I, i'm not quite sure exactly why because you would think the opportunity was there but i would also remind everybody that um that that lebanks was it's not like LeBanc's only good hockey has been that one year, yeah. um, 2018-19. Uh, he had very good stretches uh, under Bob Bugner when he played with, uh, I think it was Couture and Evander Kane, and he had very good. He had a very good stretch last year uh, when he played with Tom Osterdo and Timo Meyer for a long stretch of the season. He had 23 points in 29 games with them. So, um, so Kevin can still play, I think, and he's still pretty young. Um, I think it's just one of those things overall that maybe because of his contract and also too, I think a big part of it too is, and, uh, you know, I think Timo Meyer suffered from this too. After, uh, after, uh, after Joe Pavelski, after they let Joe Pavelski walk after guys like Thornton, uh, really, you know, they aged, right. They aged out of the, of the league, basically even guys like Burns aged a little bit, right. Some, mm-hmm. some minor decline there, right that they really needed guys like Meyer and LeBanc to really, really step up, right, and take that step forward. And uh, Meyer, it took Meyer a couple of years to, to, to step up uh, after, the, after his breakout 2018-19, right? And LeBanc never quite got there. And I think that LeBanc probably in the end is more of a kind of a specialist kind of player. Um, uh, like I said, uh, kind of a, a limited at five-on-five, five, uh, inconsistent. Right. Uh, and so I'll, I'll, I'll definitely agree with that, but can help you on the power play. And when he's on his game, he can definitely help you on the five on five, at least offensively. And so, yeah, so I think he, I think, I think he's definitely an angel player. And um, I think that during the summer, he'll probably sign a kind of a low cost contract and go somewhere else and help, uh, help, help a pretty good team out as sort of a power play specialist type. 
What's your take on what's happened with Barabanov this year? I mean, injuries have played a factor, but he he really, to me, hasn't looked like the same guy that he was previously. Yeah, you know, that's hard to say. Um, I know that it's easy to point at not not having consistent centers uh, this year, which he has had before, which mm-hmm. I'm sure that's something to to do with it. But he's also had significant stretches with a Tomas Hurdle and and hasn't quite worked out. But yeah, I'm sure that's one part of it. Um, uh, David Quinn today talked about kind of uh, uh, Alex forcing offense, which I, I can kind of see because, um, yeah, you look at, I mean, he can look at his own stat line and he's going to be a UFA and, and so, so that I think that becomes like maybe a, a, a little bit of a human nature kind of thing to some degree. Um, so I think that's that's a factor. Um, yeah, I think a lot of times kind of struggles snowball, right? Like once you start, the, we, we've seen it with the team this year. Once they start losing, you kind of can't stop it. Uh, once you start struggling in a game, you give up those couple quick goals, and then it's hard to kind of uh, stop that at the tracks and then and push the momentum the other way. And so I think he's he's having trouble with that. Um, yeah, so he, so he's a guy. It's I'm not I'm not sure I'm not as sure what's 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 going going on with him. Uh, but I I would imagine that has something to do with those those factors. He also is like a LeBanc, reasonably young, and so uh, maybe uh, another fresh start. Even even coming back to the Sharks next year with a with a fresh start mm-hmm. uh, will will be will be good for him. In terms of looking at the other injuries that have been going on with this year, a Tomas Hurdle and a Logan Couture. Let's start with Couture, who missed most of the season, came back for a brief stretch before the All-Star break, and is out again with that same injury. How concerned are you about that? And he himself, Logan, was worried about his career's longevity. He admitted he thought, you know, he didn't know if he was going to play again. Uh, You know, at first I thought about that being kind of, you know, melodramatic or hyperbolic, but then he talked about, you know, the injury and having trouble getting out of bed and, he also, the thing that, and again, I clearly am not a doctor. I just play one on TV, but he hasn't talked about surgical intervention. And that's kind of the one thing that I've wondered. It's like, well, is there not a repair for this injury? Because it's it's not very common. It's not one we hear about very often. So how are you reacting to this injury still being problematic for Logan Couture as it is March 2nd at the time of this recording? And he only played a handful of games before it was an issue again. Well, anytime you basically, and it looks like uh, you, you missed the, the season or the majority of the season because of an injury and you're 35 or 34, of course, that's that's a, that's a concern. Um, on the surgical aspect uh, of that, um, and I, you know, this is just just off of like Cleveland Clinic, so basically just WebMD, but um, in this specific injury, uh, um, I can, I got I to gotta dig deeper to, I guess, to, to make sure this applies to Logan, but uh, from from what from what 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 I read, uh, I, I understand I understand that it's an injury that first you do try to to deal with it with rehab and that's what they've done and um, at you know looks like it looks like it I, it may not be working and so I think surgery can still be an option in the end is is what I'm saying and maybe maybe that's an option that they'll take in the off season or near the end of this season if uh, if if rehab isn't uh, isn't working out. Um, so anyway, yeah, certainly, certainly a, a concern, but I mean, uh, wh- you know, it's not really not, not, not much you can do, uh, but, but hope that, 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 that it, there, there comes a turn in it. Right. I mean, right. I think that we, we have, we're having these kind of same discussions with Eric Carlson, would he ever be the same, et cetera, et cetera, after his, after his, uh, groin surgery. And he, he came, he came back, it took a little while, but he, he came back fine. And so, yeah, so, so I think, I think with Logan, I guess like it's one of those like 
you know, uh, things that uh, I guess as observers or fans, like you just gotta just gotta let it play out. You, you can't you can't worry about it too much. It's too speculative. Um, you know, he could be he could be fine by the start of next season, I think. And so and this this can just be all kind of like a speed bump, uh, or it can be something worse, right? And so uh, we'll just have to see how it all plays out. Do you think that he should try and play again this year for his own mentals sake, you know, uh, just to show that he can still get back? Or do you think it's uh, there will come a point when they decide to shut it down to go to that rest option, see what the recovery is, and then decide what the next step is after that? Yeah, I think uh, at first I was sort of in favor of, of him coming back and having a sort of a strong stretch this season, and that would be a good boost going to his training, off-season training. Um, but uh, with sort of the news that this this uh, setback it was a pretty bad one, this wasn't a minor one, um, I guess I would be more along the lines of, especially if there's a risk of worsening it, that um, that no, the, the the goal should be to get him ready for uh, for for next year. Yeah. I mean, it's tough, though, you know, just because for him, I don't think he's the type of guy that likes uh, sitting around and not playing, and uh, especially not when the team has been playing this way. And also, uh, you know, not unsurprisingly, the team was better seemingly and won more games when he was back out there on the ice, which, uh, again, I wasn't too shocked by that. Just also from an emotional perspective, getting him back helps as well. Uh, what about Tomas Hurdle? Um, do you expect to see him before the year is done? Are you thinking that uh, it's best to just let that injury have a, a long recovery time and you know let him have the offseason to be ready? Yeah, no, that that's one where I, I would just I would just rest him um, unless he like is healthy for like a for like a, like a long stretch of time, like like a month or something like that. And then it becomes kind of ridiculous to sit him. But um, but um, yeah, I, I if 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 if, uh, if if he's just like a week or two, like I would I I, I would just uh, sit him for the rest of the season. Unlike a Couture, um, he's obviously uh, Tom Ostrello has had a, a very good stretch uh, this season. Uh, he doesn't need to kind of prove to himself that that he can still play at a really high level. Uh, whereas Couture, I think there there is that question mark maybe uh, with his injury and. Um, I think that even when he was uh, uh, playing this year, and he said that he he was starting to feel hampered even in the middle of of of, of playing a Logan Couture. Um, that I, I don't think that that we saw quite the same Logan Couture in the in the small stretch of games that we saw, and so uh, I think I think that that would have been nice. But uh, with Hurdle though, yeah, we don't. I don't think that's a, there's a concern there. In terms of his season, obviously thirty four points, forty eight games. That's I think above his career average in terms of his average points per game. Um, you know, what What do you expect in the next couple of seasons from Tomas Hurdle? Because to me, you know, if you put more talent around him, I think that, you know, in a couple of years, he could still be a very effective player. Um, obviously, everybody gets a little bit older, but his size and that being core to his still set, that's, that's not going to go anywhere for a while. Yeah, I, I uh, Sharks hope so. <laughs> He's here for six <laughs> more years. And so I, I think that he was uh, very good this year, and hopefully he he brings that same kind of uh, that same kind of uh, energy both uh, on and off the ice. They also talked a lot about just the positive energy that he brought off the ice uh, this year. Yeah, which I think maybe last year was a little bit more of a struggle for him to do that, just because of the 
all the losing last year. Uh, maybe last year helped prepare him for this year and all the losing this year. And so um, anyway, so yeah, very positive force on and off the ice, I think. And so I think they would expect more of the same. There is more to that interview with Shang Peng, which I will get you at a later time. But right now we are out of time as we wrap it up here and get ready for the Sharks to take on the Stars again. Five o'clock go time, 4.30 pregame. Dan Rusinowski and Brett Hedekin on the call right here on the Sharks Audio Network. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend. Yogi Yend.